All right, everyone, welcome today to Wise Wednesdays. I have a special guest with me. It is Jim Tatum, and he is owner of Trans World Advisors, two locations. Hi, Jim, how are you? Hey, great, Wendy. Good to see you and uh, excited to be a part of what you're doing here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. Um, so tell me about your locations. Where are your trans worlds? Yeah, so great. Well, you know, trans world's got a, it's got is around the world. And uh, my slice of heaven is here in Greenville, South Carolina, serving the upstate of, uh, of, of South Carolina. And then also in Asheville, which serves the Western North Carolina market. So we're about two offices about an hour apart from each other. Okay, great. Um, so before we get into a little bit about your background and some of the questions that we're going to talk about today, which is going to be business focused. So selling businesses, preparing okay. your business to sell. Tell me about a little bit about Jim. What do you like to do? Your family, everything besides yeah. business. Okay. Well, let's see. So uh, I am married to my beloved and beautiful wife, Danielle, and whom I'm well pleased. I was trained to say that years ago. And um, she's, uh, she and I got married in uh, 1984, so we'll be 37 years this year. And uh, we've got four grown children that uh, range from 30 to 36. Uh, and they have, two of them have kids of their own. So four kids, six grandkids. And when I'm not doing business advising and helping folks buy and sell companies that I'm spending time mostly with her and with them. Uh, in fact, getting ready to go ahead to uh, Los Angeles to spend uh, my youngest son's birthday week with him because he's turning 30 at the end of July. So we're excited to go do that. Um, I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of um, stuff here in the, in the Carolina mountains. So we like to hike, we like to walk, we like to go to the lake. Uh, you know, those, those are, I guess, recreational hobbies. Um, I'm, I'm into trying to take good care of myself, as is my wife. So she feeds me only organic food. Oh, and uh, wow. years ago, I used to sneak away every so often and get, you know, peanut butter, Captain Crunch, something like that. <laughs> but I can't do that and get away with it today anyway. And uh, so we, we do a lot of cooking at home. Uh, we happen to be downtown Greenville. So that's home of the Greenville Drive, which is a single A uh, baseball uh, team. Unfortunately, they're a division of the Boston Red Sox, and I'm a Yankee fan, but we'll put that aside for now. That was the one reason I almost didn't move to Greenville was that right there. But we watch a lot of baseball games. And uh, other than that, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a movie buff. I like to watch movies. I don't watch a lot of TV. I spend most of my time either working with the family or, you know, if I'm going to do something for entertainment, I may watch a movie or I, I do a lot of that. I like to read. Hey. Yeah, always, always making me better. You'll be proud. Look, before we got on, that's oh, what I was doing. <laughs> rock on. Good for you. Michalowicz. Excellent. Yes, well done. Exactly. That's actually going to be a part of our book club next month. So that's uh, we're covering it. It's already halfway in and I love it. So yeah, it's good stuff. And it's, and that's it. You know, I have a sign in my office that says, uh, learn from the mistakes of others because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. Yes. And uh, when you get a book, that's what it is. Somebody caught all their mistakes and the things that worked well and they put them in a book and it's kind of a shortcut to success for you, no matter what you're reading on. So good Absolutely. for you, Wendy. Thank you. So what is your uh, primary role at uh, Trans World Advisors, Jim? Sure. 
So Transworld Business Advisors, we do three things as good, if not probably better than anybody else. The first is we sell businesses. So we help sellers that are coming to market uh, and they want to sell their business. Maybe it's time to retire, spend more time with their family, buy an island in the Caribbean, whatever their motivation is. And so we help them market and promote the business for sale, find the buyer, bring the buyer and seller together and make a successful transaction take place. That's number one. Number two, sometimes the folks that we talk to who own the businesses don't want to sell them. They actually want to grow them. And one of their growth mechanisms would be franchising, turning their business into a franchise concept. And because that's what my background has been for 30 some odd years before becoming a Transworld Business Advisor owner, um, we help a lot of folks that are looking to do that uh, as part of their growth strategy. And then the third thing we do is so sometimes the, the buyers that we meet, they've never owned their own business before. And so they want training, support, marketing, strategy. And so they may be uh, ideal candidates for a franchise concept. And so we can recommend kind of match make based on what they're looking for. Uh, a, a number of different franchise opportunities that might serve them best. So my role primarily is to be partly rainmaker, meaning helping those buyers and sellers and making those transactions happen. And then the second, probably longer uh, tail a part of this is as the office owner being able to hire and train the, the staff, the folks who are going to be on the team helping other clients, uh, as well as, you know, vision of the company, direction of where we're going, innovation, just making us more productive and efficient or effective at what we do. Okay. And you were talking about some of your team members and training. Mm. So what does your team look like? Obviously you're kind of leading the ship and then what does your support staff look like? Yeah. So we had, uh, we have administrative staff that handle a lot of, you know, buyer inquiries, seller inquiries, getting a lot of the clerical and administrative things that have to happen behind the scenes to get a business listed or sold. And then we have a group of agents uh, right now, we have uh, one, four other agents on the team besides myself. They're helping clients buying sell. And uh, we're in the process right now of adding six more. So you know, nothing happens unless a sale is made is what I was always taught. So we want to make sure we have plenty of people out there serving the, uh, the areas that we. Okay. And um, sorry, I had lost you there for just the tail end of that. So that's where that pause was from. No problem. Um, and so what do you think that makes you especially unique um, in that trail of trans world advisory position? Mm, yeah, well, a great question. And, and a lot of our clients will ask the same thing. Because obviously, you know, a lot of folks could be out there that may be helping individuals sell or buy businesses or grow franchises. I think the first thing is trans world as a family, we've been selling businesses. So you're ready with the breadth of experience that the Transworld family brings. And, you know, how does that relate to a, a business buyer or business seller? Uh, well, if there's a question or a, a scenario comes up that I may not have direct experience with, uh, I've got the ability to tap into that network of over 40 years and 600 agents and brokers that can give us, um, you know, the heads up or the, the right tips for us to follow as we as we guide the buyers and sellers. So that's probably number one is the size of our network makes it very unique. What makes it unique for me is my background coming from uh, 34 years of, of running a small sign company, as you know, back in 1986, mm -hmm. growing that business uh, to the point of about seven or 800 locations. On, on, on the small level, the local level of operating the store, but then on the national and international scope of being able to 
help folks like you and Lloyd and franchisees all over the planet um, be able to build a business successfully. In some cases, some of those franchisees have, have then grown the business and then sold it. Uh, so I've, I've seen all of that happen on the franchise side, and I can bring all of that experience into the day-to-day -day operation for the, uh, you know, for the buyers and sellers that we work with. Um, and what makes me unique is, hey, there's only one of me. Uh, as you know, there's, that's probably good and bad, depending on which side of the table you're on. Uh, but I think we bring a lot of energy, enthusiasm, excitement, conviction along with us. We're going to do everything with integrity. We're going to make sure that we you know, set proper expectations with folks on the buying and selling side to make sure that this is a smooth transaction for everybody. I mean, let's face it, Wendy, most people selling a business, this is one of the largest transactions in their life, you know, next to maybe buying or selling a home and marrying off their kids, because that can be pretty expensive too. Uh, but, you know, selling or buying a business, there's, they, they've spent a lot of time grooming and, and growing and investing in that baby. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks who are selling companies say it's a lot like seeing their kids get married off. You know, they're not just going to hand them off to any schmo that comes along. They want to make sure they find the right person who's going to continue the legacy. And for the buyer, they want to make sure that they're going to find the right opportunity that they're going to be able to secure a good uh, future for their family. So, Right. And I would say anyone who ever needs a um, business advisor, they will not find anyone as um, that has as much energy as you. So they will definitely <laughs> have to, um, you know, to keep up with you because you are full of energy. And I know just works would work hard day and night. So that that's um, that is a very good, unique quality about yourself. We give them lots of coffee and bowls of Wheaties so they can keep up with us. <laughs> so let's just say we have that person that's listening in. They want to own a business. It's their okay. dream. You know, it is the cream of the crop for them to own a business. How do you know that you're ready to own a business? It's a great, it's a great question. In fact, um, in the Transworld family, we have, uh, we have a podcast called The Deal Board. And maybe we can link to that in your show Absolutely. notes, but that there's a lot of episodes in, in the deal board about buyers and sellers. And in fact, to start off 2021, uh, we did an episode with Andy and Jessica. Those are the hosts. And I was able to, I uh, was fortunate enough to be a guest and we walked through, Hey, if you're preparing to buy a business in 2021 or beyond, you know, what are some of the things that you want to consider in order to prepare yourself for that? So I, I think one of the first ones, you know, we go back to the book thing, right? You read a lot of books and what are a lot of other people saying? Simon Sinek is a, is a prolific author in the business sector. And uh, one of the things he talks about is, is why, uh, you know, begin with why. So your why and determining, why do I want to do this? Is it just because I'm tired of my boss? Is it because I've got this burning desire ever since I was a little kid that I wanted to be in business for myself and I always wanted to own my own ice cream shop or whatever the case might be, but being able to define the why um, and, and not just, hey, this is what I think I want to do, but you know, ask yourself that two or three questions down the, uh, down the, uh, down the ladder as to um, you know, what's the real motivation behind it? Is it financial security? Is it independence? Is it the ability to call my own shots, make my own schedule? Is it because I want to spend more time with the wife and kids? You know, I traveled a lot in my previous career and so uh, I, I just knew after 30 some odd years of doing it, I wanted to be able to sleep in my own bed every night yeah. and, and be able to see the, the wife and the kids and the grandkids. So first identifying what that why is, I think is probably the, 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 the single most important step. 
And the other reason that's important, Wendy, is because as you start down the path, if you, if you decide to pursue it, there are going to be obstacles and things that come along that might dissuade you. And if you have a strong enough why to begin with, you kind of hold on to that. You remember that and it keeps you motivated to working towards seeing the goal come to fruition. So that would be one of the first things I'd say. Um, and then one of the second things I would say is, you know, surround yourself people that can that can be advisors. You know, who's going to who's going to help me with that goal? I do a whole session on goal getting with a lot of folks that we coach. And, uh, you know, we talk about the who being those people who are going to be on my side that might be able to teach me things that I don't already know or give me insight that I don't already have into making sure that I make the decision the right way. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, owning your own business is not a solo journey. So don't think like, don't feel like you have to go on it on your own. It's good to surround yourself with key advisors that may be family, friends, but it should also be some professional advisors legal advisor, financial advisor, certainly business advisor, like what we do at Transworld, building that team around you so that all the, uh, you know, T's are crossed, I's are dotted, and you, you look at all the right information to be able to make an educated decision on what the right industry or business might be. Uh, and then going back to that, that why piece is, is probably also, you know, what, meaning what do you want to do? What industry do you want to be in? What is it that floats your boat? What is it that gets you excited to get up in the morning? And, and being able to identify um, what that business opportunity might look like. Is it a franchise that I'm looking for because I am a first-time business owner and I need training, support, marketing, help? Or is it, hey, you know what? I've just always had a passion about software or landscaping or dog grooming or whatever the case might be. So just being able to really define what segment, what industry uh, and what type of business you want to operate. Do you want to work seven days a week? Do you want to be an owner operator? Do you want to work from home? Do you want to be in a uh, a bricks and mortars location. So that's really kind of defining a little bit more about what the right type of business might be that would help, that would help you that you should be looking for. So. Right. And those are all really good points because in a conversation that I recently had with a CPA, she said a lot of the times what she hears from the why is well, I want to open a business because I want to be rich and I want vacations all the time. And she said there was some things that she's learned over the years that she says, that's not the reason because you're going to be broke and you're not going to take vacations for a while <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. Those might be, you know, fruits of the work that you're going to do, but that probably shouldn't be the end game, which, which we, if we go back to that, that's why I think it's important to dig down two or three questions. So let's say the person says to you, Wendy, the reason I want to do it is I want to be rich and I want to take vacations all the time. Okay, great. Well, why do you want to be rich? Mm -hmm. That's the next level. Why question? Well, because, you know, I don't like living on peanut butter and jelly and tomato soup sandwiches. Okay. Well, what, if, if you, if you were rich, what would you, what would you live on? Well, mm -hmm. I'd buy filet mignon and I'd go to Ruth's Chris every night. Well, how many years do you think you could do that for before your waistline would catch up with you? Right. You know, <laughs> You, 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 and, and really, well, why is that important that I, you know, feast all the time or I want to be on vacations all the time? Okay, well, why, why do you want to do that? Is that a selfish motivation? Is it because I just feel like that's what I deserve? And if you really dig down and you just keep asking why, 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 you wind up eventually coming to the core of, well, you know what it is, is because, and don't take this the wrong way, people who say that might say, I just want to be rich and take vacations all the time because I don't, because I'm ultimately, I'm kind of lazy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work. I don't want life to be hard. I want life to be easy. 
that's not necessarily the right motivation then to go into the, you know, buying a business mode. I mean, what you just described is not uh, business ownership. It's lottery winnership. Right. Okay. Is really, really what that comes. So save yourself a lot of time and effort. Just go buy a bunch of lottery tickets and, and, and pray for the best, I guess. Right. But I do think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you think that sometimes um, there is a misconception about what being a business owner, as an entrepreneur looks like, and it's, you know, actually listening to a podcast regarding Profit First that came up saying you mm. know, that there's this misconception that we uh, business owners or people who want to be business owners are just having this magical life every day and they don't really show the real side of what the grind looks like about skipping a paycheck, taking care of employees. And that's really doing a disservice. Don't you think so? Oh, I definitely do. If, 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 if the utopian uh, example or picture is that, you know, own your own business, sit back, kick your feet up. Like the infomercials say money just keeps coming in check after check after check. And I don't work. I work 10 hours a week. You know, it was, I think it was Tim Ferriss wrote the book, the five hour work week. And if you really read the book, he's not saying I only work five hours a week. The title is a little, is a, is a little, uh, you know, it's designed to pull you in and buy the book. Okay. But at the end of the day, uh, I think that, yes, it does do a disservice because you can become, you can leave the corporate world. You can, you can leave the job world you're in now. Okay. So that you can then work any, you know, work whenever you want to, as we like to say, you can work any, tw- you can, you can work any 24 hours you want to pick. Okay. But when you're the business owner, you're going to be on all the time. You're, you're, you're doing your job, but then you're doing all the other things that needed to be done or that got done when you were working for someone else, you didn't even see it happening. And those are the things that you're going to have to take on as a business owner. That's not to say it's without, it's, it's not without its rewards down the road, but especially in the very beginning, you guys know this, you went through it when you bought your business and you started your, your sign company in Louisville. It, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just add water and it's instantaneous and it sprouts out of the ground and all of a sudden, hey, look, I started with a a seed and now I got a tree. No, that doesn't work that way. You're going to put a lot of blood, sweat, energy, equity into this thing with the long term perspective that, yes, you're going to you're going to be able to benefit in the in the end. But in the beginning, there's a there's a lot of messy in the middle is what I like to tell people. That's true. So let's talk about buying a business then. So, sure. um, and I know you're not going to give us all of the secrets because of course, you know, we can reach out to you and your team and others um, to get more in-depth information. But, you know, what do we start to look for when we want to buy a business? Okay. Well, so, you know, let's, let's assume you've kind of gone through that process right there and you've now identified a business that you're going, you know what, I'm kind of interested in that one. Okay, so one of the first things that you're going to want to look for is I I like to call it fit. Okay, so first of all, does it fit you? Do you fit it? And it's funny because a lot of folks who are buyers, you know, they're contacting us. Hey, I want to get information about this business. I'd like to see this information, that information, et cetera. And I always say, great, we're happy to show that to you. Let's go see it. (laughs) Let's go see. First of all, do you like it? Okay. Do you like it? And does it like you? Because it may or may not be the right business for you. Um, You know, if if the numbers match up, which we'll talk about in just a second, but you don't like the location, you don't like the way it smells, the way it looks, the way it feels, at the end of the day, you're not going to buy it. I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. So it's got to be, there's got to be a fit. The second thing is it's got to be financial. Okay. There's, there's going to be a financial 
um, overview that you want to give it. And so the best businesses are the ones typically that have good books and records. You'll hear that all the time when people are talking about selling a business. What's one of the keys is make sure you have good books and records. Does that mean that a business that doesn't have good books and records can't sell? Absolutely doesn't mean that. There, there are plenty of businesses where, you know, I, I could think of three right now that we're working with. And quite frankly, the majority of the those business owners are not overly sophisticated. They keep track of their sales in a notebook. All of their receipts are in a shoebox. That's the way they do it. That's not a terrible business. In fact, one of those businesses does, you know, $800,000 a year and the guy takes 200 grand out of it. But he's been doing it for 25 years. He's not about to, well, I think I want to install QuickBooks now and I'm going to you know, do all kinds of POS systems. He's doing a cash business and he's happy doing it that way. With that said, it does make it easier as a buyer if you're able to, to, to examine the books and records of the business and be able to answer basic questions. Is there good revenue? Is there good, op you know, are the operating expenses in line? Is there good profit left over at the end? And so oftentimes what will happen is as you get through the process a little bit further, you've seen a business, you put an offer in on the business, then you're going to be able to get access to all their financial records and your due diligence. You're going to look for profit loss statements, tax returns, balance sheets, making sure that all those, those numbers are, they're validated. What you've heard up to this point, you're now given, given the buyer, or sorry, the seller the opportunity to prove that that stuff is true. Mm -hmm. So you want to have a business that's going to fit. You want to have a business that's, you know, that, that's good financials. And the third thing is, I think I like to call it family. And that is, what do you think of the organization, okay, of the business itself? You know, the people who are in it, um, it just as I said earlier, just as is important for the buyer to make sure they tick the right boxes, it's important for the seller to know that someone coming in and taking over the business is going to take good care of the people that are there. Right. Um, I, I, I toured a business yesterday and the gal who's owned it has had it for 17 years. And she's got employees working in her restaurant that have been there for 12 and 13 years. And for some people, that's kind of unheard of in the restaurant business. You think you turn a lot of people over. She's got a staff of almost 20 people and more than half of them have been there for 10 years or longer. Those people are like family to her. And even though she may be selling the company and she's gonna ride off into the sunset and you know buy the island in the Caribbean or whatever, she also has a an innate loyalty towards those people to make sure that it's gonna transfer well, the buyer coming in is gonna take over and it's gonna take care of those people who helped her get to the place that she's at today. So, you know, is there a good family in place? And I use the air quotes there. And does that fit your family, okay? And what you're gonna to wanna to do as you take the business going forward because you become the new parent. <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about is, is running your own business all, all uh, rainbows and unicorns? No, you're dealing with people on the client side, you're dealing with people on the vendor side. And if you're like most of us, you have people on your team. And someone once said to me, Jim, I think businesses would be great if it wasn't for all those people. <laughs> this is so yeah, you have to deal with them, you know, and there's some there's some drama there and some babysitting that probably takes place. And that's part of being a business owner. Right. And it's definitely again in that beginning question that you ask of why, because if if they say, I don't like to babysit, they might have to pause for just a second. <laughs> yeah, they should. Yeah, then they're probably e-commerce business owners at that exactly. point. So you don't have to deal with people, right? Exactly. Right, right. And you touched on just a little bit um, with that example of the restaurant owner and kind of taking care of 
that the employee team members as like a family. And in our part two with you, that's kind of one of the questions as far as selling. So I'm glad that you brought that up because we'll kind of have a good example in our episode two that we're going to do with Jim. Um, and that I'm going to remind us of that conversation. Um, and so is there anything that we can overlook when we're first looking to buy a business? Um, is it um, a fit that maybe down the road we can grow into? You know, is it always revenue? What is there something that we can kind of overlook at the beginning? And when you say overlook, do you see, do you mean overlook like you accidentally missed it or you overlook and go, I'm not worried about that one too much? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, I know just yeah. from speaking from experience, there's a few things that knowing what we know now, we will consider uh -huh. next. But at the same time, I'm also sure there's things that, oh, well, that'd be okay because we're better suited for this, you know, solution. So maybe a little right. bit. Yeah, well, I think, you know, some things that can be overlooked and not intentionally overlooked, but, oh, geez, I probably should have thought about that. Um, there haven't been too many that I've experienced that have been complete deal breakers or created a lot of buyer remorse. You know, later on, you're like, oh, I probably should have asked that. But realistically, most of the things that you may overlook, they're probably going to be fixable. OK, uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world running a team of people, I used to say to them, just remember two words. Nobody dies. OK, there's not too much that we're going to come across where it's it's, you know, it's life altering, earth ending. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? So don't get too, too caught up in it. Uh, but I would say, look. There are details in the business, the revenue, the profit, OK, the cost, the balance sheet, et cetera. Those are some good financial pieces. Number one. Number two would be customer concentration. Sometimes, you know, folks buy into a business and maybe it's a business where 40% of the revenue is being done by one client. Well, yeah, you probably want to ask customer concentration questions because if something happens to that one client, all of a sudden now I've got some damage control to do. So that's a good question to ask and one that could possibly be overlooked. Um, and, and then I would say, like, for example, we sold a landscaping business and, uh, you know, of the 30 or 40 people that worked in the business, two people were not necessarily legal. And so I said, all right, well, that's important for us to know up front because obviously that's going to have uh, an implication or an impact on the seller down the road. So just making sure that everybody that's you know on the books, that's involved in the company, everybody is legit. I think that would be another one of those that, hey, let's not miss that point. Um, and then on the other side, you know, are there things that might be overlooked? Uh, but I but I say I, I can overlook them. OK, um, you know, is I don't I, I don't really like the color of the, of the paint in the bathrooms or in fact, I had a, a couple of buyers that are like, listen, I don't want to get too hung up on seeing it, because if I see it, I might see things that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And rather than stay focused on, you know, the, the business perspective mm -hmm. of finances, again, revenue, opportunity, size of the market, where can I take this thing? I, I don't want my head to get clouded with something that I see, you know, maybe there's a person behind the, the front desk and they've, you know, I don't like their choice of clothing or they've got a nose ring and an earring and a, you know, a lip ring, nothing against any of those, but, you know, that may be something that turns off a potential buyer. And so I, I just say, look at the big picture, think high level, 30,000 foot level, especially in the beginning stages of looking at businesses. Don't get too caught up in the granular stuff because once you own it, you can change anything. You got to own it first. And if you're not careful, 
I think that the overlook thing is, you know, don't be focused on, I've got to find the perfect business. Cause in my experience so far, Wendy, in 35 years, I don't, I haven't found a perfect one yet. Right. Hey, and we're still waiting to build our perfect. So we're all in this yeah. together, right? <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's a journey. That's right. It is a journey. And uh, when you take over somebody else's, uh, my advice to most buyers is when you take over the first, you know, three to six months, don't change anything. Watch it, learn it, observe it, ask a lot of questions of the people who are there that are on the team that have been doing it a lot, much longer than you, get feedback and input from them. And then you can start thinking about making changes, but don't go in change one day one and start making changes off the bat. That's probably not the best move. Well, and that's a great segue into, you're just going to give us a little bitty answer to this because this is going to okay. carry this over into our uh, part two. Um, we have the business. We have decided that it's a fit for us. We've reviewed all of the financials and we think this is the business to move on. Get us started in just a little snapshot of what's next. Mm. Um, well, like I said, I think the, the first piece is let it run and start observing and get a notebook that you can keep with you and start making notes on. Uh, but one of the first things I would say I, I'd be looking at taking over is how do I drive sales up? And we come from a sales oriented uh, you know, uh, business before this and, and certainly still now. Sales is first. So the first thing I'd be looking at is where are my opportunities to drive sales higher? Uh, because once sales are higher, more money's coming in, I can do more things. Right. Okay. Well, I know already, I mean, myself, I've been taking notes. I know all of our listeners <laughs> are taking notes. So yet again, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with your energy, which is great. So I thank you so much for this uh, business My pleasure. advisory episode one. And so we're going to um, reconnect again and do some more taping with Jim. So until then, thanks for tuning in to Wise Wednesdays podcast.